The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back to The Right Opinion right here on the therightopinion.podbean.com. HameenMediaGroup.Podbean.com and RatSaladReview.com as well as your podcatcher of choice. Just search The Right Opinion. It'll be the one with the thumbnail that is black and white and red all over like the New York Times used to be. Welcome aboard, everybody. I am your host, Harrison Bergeron. Happy to have you back. There is no shortage of stupid shit going on in the world, particularly the United States of America. And I am going to start with President useless sack of potatoes. He addressed a joint session of Congress recently. It's not technically a state of the union, but it's the same basic concept. I don't want to waste a ton of time on this. This is a lot of scripted political nonsense. Let's start with one of the more glaring, ridiculous statements made by President useless sack of potatoes. He said, we have the power to cure cancer right now. Begging the question... Why isn't he doing this? Mr. President, why aren't you curing cancer right now? Do you like cancer, Joe? Are you rooting for cancer, President Sniffy? What's your favorite kind of cancer? I mean, certainly you're such a big fan and aficionado of the C word. You must have a favorite type. Could it be testicular cancer, being that you'll obviously never get it? Why isn't cancer already cured? If we have the ability to do it now, that would seem like a day one sort of thing to do. I don't think you need to ask any rocket scientists or political consultants or even Lord Fauci. I don't think even Fauci is necessary on this one. If you, as the President of the United States, have the ability to cure cancer, why aren't you doing it? Why won't Joe Biden cure cancer? This is a question that our media needs to ask. From there, Sleepy Joe took a bunch of credit for a bunch of things that he had absolutely nothing to do with, including the vaccine and the vaccine distribution, and, of course, the job growth. This is hilarious, of course. When, so when, when COVID hit and we artificially shut down our entire economy because we were worried about the flu, the Wu flu, the Kung flu, the flu, Manchu... Woo. Um, woo. Ric Flair made an appearance in there. But um, when we shut down the economy and then we opened things back up and Donald Trump said, look, we had all these job numbers, which were obviously going to happen because we, again, artificially shut down the economy and then allowed it to try to return to normalcy, taking our knee off of its neck, if you will. And um, and and so obviously a bunch of jobs came back and immediately, obviously, everybody points out, well, I mean, if the economy didn't dive bomb in the first place, we wouldn't have had all this job growth. And yet here we are, President Biden talking about, I think last month we had 1.3 million jobs that were added to the economy. 
and he's taking credit for this. What did he do? Nothing. I mean, he signed the American Rescue Plan or whatever that is. We still haven't actually spent the money from the first $1.9 trillion bill, and now we're passing more bills for more money and all this stuff. I mean, he hasn't actually done anything economically other than scare the pants off of the market and probably slowed its progress with his calls to raise the capital gains tax and raise the corporate tax. All of this being done, mind you, while, again, the economy is recovering from an artificial shutdown. So Joe Biden learned absolutely nothing from the Obama presidency where they did the exact same thing. Coming in off of a recession, they have a built-in recovery. Basically, just don't do anything drastic and the economy is going to recover because the American economy tends to do that. And yet, they did everything they could. They passed Obamacare. They started raising taxes. They did all these things, including increased regulation that just put their knee on the neck of the economy. And now Joe Biden is determined to do the same thing. I've written an extensive article about this, of course, on my Substack, rightopinionpod.substack.com. And for those of you who hear that and aren't aware, it's free. Um, you know, it's Substack as in subscription. You could subscribe. You'll get an email when there's an article or a podcast posted. And um, you know, and, and you know, you'll get it directly to you, but it is free. It's not, you don't have to actually subscribe. I'm not charging anything for it, at least not yet. And frankly, that's probably never going to actually happen. But that said, check out the article. I believe it's entitled Democrats Never Learn. So uh, check that out at rightopinionpod.substack.com. Moving on, let's get back to some of the more ridiculous things that uh, Joe Biden said, or some more ridiculous things that Joe Biden said at his pseudo State of the Union recently. He said that the events of January 6, 2021 uh, were, was the greatest attack on our democracy since the Civil War, which is crazy because and everyone has made this joke. Joe's actually been alive since the Civil War, so you would think he would remember some of these other things like, for instance, 9-11, um, Pearl Harbor, the assassination of four presidents and a fifth that was shot in Ronald Reagan, um, the congressional baseball shooting where about 10% of the Republicans were out on a baseball field and could have very well been shot and killed by a maniac who was looking to shoot and kill those Republicans. Um, how about, I don't know, the entire summer of love, also known as the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020. That seemed to me like a bigger attack on our democracy given that many more people died, much more damage was caused, and the entire thing was an attack on our institutions. I, I, I mean, some of our institutions suck, but they're not systemically racist, certainly not anymore. That was the whole premise, and people are allowed to just burn down major parts of major cities in the name of just complete and utter nonsense. How about the entire 2020 election, where we just destroyed any semblance of voter security for the purposes of having votes, that needed to be somewhat sanitized, I suppose, because of the whole COVID situation, even though we had primaries during COVID and there was no massive spread, because as we all know now, it's a very low likelihood that you're going to get this from any sort of touching a surface and from being outside. And certainly if you're socially distanced and masked and all that good stuff they tell you is supposed to work, you should be fine. But we had to completely tear apart our entire voting system in order to appease a bunch of fucking mask occultists or mask cultists, rather, that are afraid to leave their basement, even with multiple masks on, and possibly even while being vaccinated. We'll talk about more of those idiots a little bit later on. How about all of the authoritarian actions take by and are taken by our liberal governors during COVID, for that matter? That seemed to me like a much 
stronger attack on our democracy than a bunch of fucktards with flag sticks trying to walk in there and take selfies with their feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk. How about this one? In 1954, four Puerto Rican nationals actually opened fire in the U.S. Capitol building, injuring five sitting members of Congress, one seriously injured. How about... The Capitol building was actually bombed by the weather underground in the 1970s. One person suspected to have had something to do with it, although technically has never been found to have been connected by any law enforcement agency, was Bill Ayers, who of course was a good friend and mentor to Barack Obama, but neither here nor there. Moving on then, we had 1915, a college professor planted dynamite near the Senate reception room inside the Capitol building. In 1983, there was an attempted bombing of Senator Robert Byrd's office. Too bad that one missed. Um, how about the Oklahoma City bombing? How about the entire events of Waco? How about the Vegas shooting, which really wasn't necessarily an attack on our democracy, but they want you to forget about it, so I'm throwing it in here anyway. The, all of these events, and many more, mind you, I'm sure, were all greater attacks on our democracy than a bunch of fucktards with flagsticks that, by the way, this could have all been avoided. The FBI was tracking this. They were aware of the threat. They sent no help whatsoever. It's almost as if they wanted it to be a spectacle so that they could continue to talk about how Donald Trump caused an insurrection that they themselves basically just allowed to happen. It's silly. It's all so goddamn silly. Literally everything that came out of Joe Biden's mouth was completely and utterly si silly throughout the course of this, again, pseudo State of the Union. We move on from there. He says, we need to do more than build back better. Ba -ba -ba -ba. We need to ba -ba build back better. That's almost an exact quote. We need to do more than build back better. We need to build back better. Don't you see, guys? The logic is quite sound there. If you don't get it, it's probably because you're racist or something. Then from there, he pushed the fire in a crowded theater lie, which is not a real thing. People have been saying it for years. That was debunked by the Supreme Court basically 40 years ago in Brandenburg versus Ohio. We continue to allow this nonsense to be perpetuated. And not only does this occur all the time from just, you know, random Joe Blows on Twitter, but now, of course, the president of the United States is engaging in this chicanery as well. He also continued the rich don't pay their fair share myth, which is one of the more laughable and provably easily falsifiable every single time. This is easy. Who's paying the most taxes in this country? The rich. Who's paying a disproportionate amount of the taxes in this country? The rich. Who pays a higher percentage of their taxes because they're rich? Yes, you guessed it. It's the rich. It's all very, very silly to suggest that they're not paying their fair share when they pay more than their fair share. As a matter of fact, if everybody was paying their fair share, we would just have a flat tax. Because 10, 12, 15, 20% of my income means about as much to me as 10, 20, 15% of anybody else's income does to them. Percentages are inherently fair. The fact that we have this nonsensical progressive tax system to begin with is insane and in and of itself proof that the rich pay more than their fair share. And on top of that, they pay payroll tax, they pay property tax, they pay sales tax, and they're buying more expensive shit than you and I. They're paying more than their fair share. This is a myth that is just so nonsensical. There's not a soul alive who can ever actually point to you a number where it's, oh, now this is fair. As a matter of fact, there's an interview back in the day, not to suggest he's any sort of economic you know, guru, but Al Sharpton, back when he was running for president, sat down for an interview, one of these late night shows, 60 Minutes, you know, one of those kind of things. And he kept rambling on about how the rich don't pay their fair share. So the guy said, well, how much should they pay? 
He says, well, they don't even pay 5% of, uh, of the national taxes. The, uh, the richest 10% don't even pay 10%. They don't even pay 5%, he said. And then, then when, when, they were, when he was asked how much should they pay, he says, well, they should be paying no less than 15% of all the taxes. And then the host said, well, yeah, they, they pay 34, 35% of all the taxes. He completely ignored that and just moved on to the next point. See, the facts don't actually matter to people who say things like the rich don't pay their fair share because the facts are clearly not on their side. What this is, as is generally the case with most liberals, particularly the types of idiots that say things like this on a national stage all the time, it's a purely emotional argument is that we say the rich were villainizing a group of people based on their success supposedly, or presumably, and then from there, we say that this group of people that we're generalizing and, and vilifying, they're not doing their fair share. Well, what's their fair share? Oh, well, we don't actually have a number. We're like Fauci. We don't actually have a number to give you to tell you that vaccinations are working and that enough of the population has been Im immunized from this virus in some way, shape, or form. We don't actually have a number we just, it has to be low. Well, how low? Low. Well, when is low? Well, we'll tell you when low has arrived, but low will never arrive because low would mean the end, and the end would mean the end of the power grabs from assholes like Biden and Fauci and Pelosi and whatever the vice president's name is. I forget she's so politically irrelevant at this stage in the game. Anyway, oh yeah, the one that heals up. Heals up Harris? Is that her name? Yeah, something like that. So, at the end of all of this complete malarkey, to use a term Joe Biden likes to use all the time, everyone was asleep. The viewing audience at home, all six of them, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris, who were both in camera shot the entire time right behind Joe Biden because the Speaker of the House and the Vice President. Biden made a big deal about getting to be the first president to say, Madam Vice President said it's about time. Oh, if it's about time, Joe, you should just step down and let her be president, too. I mean, like, why not? Don't actually do that. But I'm just saying, if you were a principled wokatarian and, and and feminazi, as you pretend to be on occasion, then, I mean, certainly you should just step down and allow the black woman who wasn't actually elected to just be president because she's black and a woman and you're an evil white guy, right? I mean, he keeps saying that the system is racist and all of the people that elected him keep talking about how racist the system is. And yet this motherfucker has been part of the system and an important and powerful part of the system for the better part of the last half a century. But the system's racist, but Joe Biden's your guy. The system's racist, but Joe Biden's your guy. You're seeing the cognitive dissonance there? Of course you're not, if you're one of these idiots, because this is just making too much sense for you, and, uh, <laughs> and their neurons clearly aren't firing because you found yourselves in the category of people I'm referring to in the first place. So we get there from... Joe Biden and his just complete and utter strategy to bore America into just giving up our way of life. We move from there to Tim Scott, who responded. Uh, Tim Scott, black senator, Republican, I believe the only black Republican sitting Republican senator and uh, from South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Tim Scott um, basically comes back and fires back at all of the people that have said all the ridiculous things like, you know, the Ibram Max Kendys of the world, the anti-racist racists. Um, you know, in the in the 1619 project that says this entire country was founded on racism, certainly there was racism and will always be racism in America and everywhere else for that matter. That being said, the idea that racism was the core value upon which the United States was founded is nothing short of ridiculous. And 
even the people who wrote things like the 1619 Project will agree that these statements that are just perpetuated as fact are not actually factual or historical. They're, they're simply a different narrative at which to look at history, a.k.a. a false one. And so Tim Scott speaks the truth and states quite clearly, and he asks us to hear him clearly, America is not a racist country. He's proof of this in many respects, as he likes to often say he's gone from cotton to Congress in a single generation. He grew up and his parents were you know, presumably, you know, not slaves, certainly, but they were working on a cotton farm back in, you know, early, or I guess mid-1900s or whatever the case may be, earlier 1900s. And uh, Tim is now a sitting member of Congress. He's the only black senator on the Republican side, one of, I guess, you know, probably a dozen black sitting senators currently. That's an amazing feat for, for somebody who came from nothing to now sit in Congress. It's, it's pretty hard for anyone to do that. Certainly, it would be very difficult for a black man to do that in America if, in fact, America was such a racist country. Another really hilarious thing about this is that the people that tell you America is such a racist country include people like AOC, Kamala Harris, and Maxine Waters, all of which have achieved similar success to Mr. Scott and have all and are all obviously people of color themselves. Are they the exceptions to the rule? Are these these exceptional people? Certainly, if you've listened to any of them speak other than maybe Tim Scott, you know for a fact that there's nothing special about them other than maybe perhaps they, you know, they're just special in a certain sense. Like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez obviously is not in Congress because of the merits of her arguments or her intellect or her ability to speak. She's there practically because she's a woman of color, nevertheless being held back because she's a woman of color. Obviously, that's not the case. But of course, we live in a racist country. So how can these two things be true at once? Well, it's quite obvious that they are not. Tim Scott also addressed the fact that there are people out there making a living off of creating further division. This is obviously a shot at the uh, the, the Nicole Hannah Joneses of the 1619 Project and the Ibram Max Kendi's of the world with his uh, you know with with the white fragility. I don't think that's his book necessarily, but I know anti-racist baby is his, and this whole movement of anti-racism, which is just racism, shined up and and made to look like it's something noble when it's not at all. As Tim Scott said in his response, um, responding to discrimination with other forms of discrimination is just backwards. It's racism trying to counter other racism. The problem is, is that this particular brand of racism that Tim Scott is addressing is not only allowed but encouraged out in the open, whereas all other forms of racism are certainly not and nor should they be. But why is this particular brand of racism special? Well, of course, because the people espousing it have been victims or are victims. Weirdly enough, again, even the people like Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is essentially a de facto editor over at the New York Times, the paper of record, the biggest paper you know in the world, or one of them, certainly, she's over there making good money at one of the most prestigious journalistic outlets in the world. I, I, I obviously don't necessarily believe that, but many people do. And she's doing just fine. How did that happen if we live in this completely racist society? How Again, she's not there because of the merits of her writing and certainly not her afactual historical analysis that she tried to push, push as factual until it was pushed back on her. And then she, oh, well, I mean, it's it's not really supposed to be a history lesson so much as it's kind of like a lens with which to look through history 
and and sort of it's kind of a it's a narrative it's a different narrative it's just not you know it's a, it's a false narrative that's what it is obviously Ibram Max Kendi with this basically stating outright that discrimination is necessary in order to reverse the effects of the discrimination that's occurred in the past which I don't necessarily believe is true as a matter of fact I don't I don't believe that's true at all without having to do all these radical ridiculous things that people like he and Nicole Hannah Jones and and Kamala Harris and AOC would propose in order to try to fix this supposed systemic racism that doesn't actually exist today those things aren't necessary we already have people like them in positions of power in the United States succeeding and again they didn't get there because they're smarter or better looking, or maybe in AOC's case, but they didn't get there smarter and, and you know, more qualified than anybody else. They got there because they were given the opportunity because we don't live in a racist country. And they somehow, you know, lucked out, basically. it's not It, it wasn't just that all the white supremacists decided to stay home on that particular election day. It's the fact that the, the white supremacists that they claim are around every corner are minuscule and tucked away in the farthest corners of this country. Anyway, so Tim Scott basically bitch-slapping the entire America is racist narrative live on television. And as we know, this is not allowed because Tim Scott is black, and so he's not allowed to stray from the ideological plantation at all. They will shoot at him. And in this case, they were shot at with he was shot at in the form of a hashtag, hashtag Uncle Tim, sort of like Uncle Tom, except his name is Tim, get it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're really fucking edgy over here on the left, apparently. Uh, so um, this is the sort of thing that passes for witty uh, on the left, and this is why these people... It, it is really embarrassing that we've lost the culture word of these folks because they don't have a funny bone in their body. They're not witty, they're not savvy, they're not anything. They're barely capable of, fu- of basic function, and yet they somehow took over every major institution in the country. It's, it is really flabbergasting the goddamn baby boomers are to blame i'm sure and so the liberals the blue checks the you know all the wokesters out there in their typical ass backwards fashion decided to try to prove that america is a racist country by being racist themselves and hashtag uncle tim went ahead and trended for hours on end before twitter eventually pulled it down because they realized that this is not a cool good look for them to allow such a thing to trend when they won't let donald trump you know, when he was even the sitting president, even tweet to allow a sitting senator to essentially be called, uh, you know, Uncle Tom by a bunch of woke white liberals who are supposed to be so looking out for the black man. You know, we're, we're worried about racial struggles, but God forbid one of these people steps off off the ideological plantation in any way, shape or form. They're just as bad as the evil white men that we're trying to burn out of society like some sort of cancer. But Oh, you know, Joe Biden loves cancer, though, so I mean, keep that in mind. Maybe that's why the system's is fucked up, because he's been in charge of it for 50 years. Moving on from there, we got Bree Newsom. She's a leftist activist. She uh, kind of was very vocal during the election, was all over MSNBC, CNN, and all of your usual leftist outlets. She responded to all of the leftists online calling Tim Scott Uncle Tim, and obviously right-wingers out there rightfully pointing out that this is essentially racist in and of itself. I mean, we're told that literally any time a black person is a victim of anything, even if that victimization is the result of another black person, this is somehow the result of the systemic racism of America as a whole. And so, when we point out that, hey, you guys are kind of being mean to this black guy, and you guys are always talking about how much you care about 
black lives, I mean, I was told that they matter. Apparently, Tim Scott's doesn't because you're allowed to just come out here and shit on him. You, woke white person who has a gender studies degree, is shitting on this accomplished black man who is a sitting member of Congress, a duly elected member of Congress at that. And here we are watching uh, an entire nation, an entire half of a nation, rather, expose their racism openly in the name of trying to prove that he was wrong when he said America wasn't racist. Well, I mean, America's not racist. Democrats are. That's pretty obvious at this point. But that brings me to Galaxy Brain Brie Newsome again. I think I kind of teased this a little bit. So she was talking uh, about the controversy, basically. And she says the following, and I quote, How can calling Tim Scott Uncle Tim be racist when he just told everyone this isn't a racist country? Question mark. Smiley face emoji. American flag emoji. End quote. Well, as I just said, America is not racist, but the Democrats are. And my response to Bree in this particular tweet was, he also says he gets called the N-word by progressives. There will always be racism, but America isn't racist as a whole. Maybe you should go back to giving garbage takes about police shootings, smiley face emoji, American flag emoji, end quote. And yes, like I said, America is not racist. Liberals are. People like Bree... Newsome here, who uh, will definitely be making an appearance in just a second because we're using her as a segue to get into some of those garbage takes that I just mentioned about police shootings. And oh boy, did this Makia, Michaela Bryant, whatever her name is, it doesn't really matter. She was in the act of trying to murder somebody, so I don't really care what her name is. Um, this brought out all of the garbage takes. I am so excited almost to go through some of these. So let's start off with our girl Bree Newsome, who specifically, I'm, I'm pointing out not only because she's a good segue, but because she let off two of some of the dumbest takes, two of them, not just one dumb take. No, no, the first dumb take wasn't dumb enough for her. She had to come back and double down on the dumb. It's a dumble down, if you will. And my God, this is just, mwah, just chef's kiss level of stupid. So here is Brie Newsom. Talking about the Makia Bryant situation, for those of you unaware, Makia Bryant is the young lady, 16 years old, shot to death by police in front of a home, I believe her home, or the home where she was residing, at least at the time, in Columbus, Ohio. She was also in the act of attempting to stab a woman to death right in front of the police officer when he got out of his car, had all of about 12 to 15 seconds to analyze the situation, and was forced, essentially, and I believe not only was this a good shoot, but this was a required shoot, cannot in good faith as a police officer stand there and watch another girl stab another girl in the neck, which, make no mistake, is exactly what was happening. This brings me back to Bree Newsom. She tweets, and I quote, Teenagers have been having fights, including fights involving knives for eons. For eons, folks. Knife fights are as old as time, or at least as old as knives. She continues, We do not need police to address these situations by showing up to the scene and using a weapon against one of the teenagers. Y'all need help. I mean that sincerely. End quote. Yes, yeah, so according to Miss Newsom here, the police officer was supposed to show up and, I guess, just pick a side and cheer on one of these girls as they were attempting to reenact the Michael Jackson beat it video in front of this house here. 
Um, not a good look here from Bree. I mean, look, I get it. The police are evil these days, and she certainly is not allowed to express even an ounce of compassion or empathy for this officer who unfortunately was forced to be in a situation where he had to take another human life because that human was not in any way, shape, or form giving any regard for the woman who she was about to stab in the fucking neck. Anybody miss that particular detail? And again, if you watch the body cam footage, the officer didn't have a lot of time to assess this. As he's getting out of the car, Makia Bryant, is actively tackling a woman to the ground in front of her, uh, the officer. She, We can't see it at this point, but obviously has the knife in her possession because she gets up and immediately turns around and tries to use that knife to stab the third party in this scenario. And it is while she is in the rearing back of this particular stabbing motion that she takes four bullets to the back and is put down before she's able to harm another human life. But Bree Newsome wanted the cop to just stand there, bust out some popcorn, and let's see how it plays out. That's her idea of Black Lives Matter. It's just watching two black people stab each other to death because as long as a white cop didn't come by and kill one of them, all is good in the hood. She values the life of the girl who was trying to fucking murder another human being in a blind rage, so blind that she was trying to do it in front of police. And I was told that black people, like, if they give police even the littlest bit of an excuse, they're going to get turned into Swiss cheese by police officers. This girl was actively trying to murder somebody in front of police officers, but Bree Newsom's like, nah, man, that cop needed to chill, yo. Y'all need help. I mean that sincerely. Oh, we're not done with Bree Newsom. She's got more on this after she gets completely slaughtered and ratioed for the originally horrible take. She comes back and says, People are really arguing that because one teen might have gotten stabbed, otherwise, it was better that police shot and killed another teen. How does that make any sense? Outside of racism and the adultification and dehumanization of black girls. Whoa. There is a lot to unpack there. First and foremost, it means that in order to have a full understanding of this situation, you know, the situation in which a girl was actively trying to murder somebody in front of a police officer with a knife in broad fucking daylight, you need to understand that there's obviously a racism involved here because the police officer's white and everybody else was black, which is really weird because the white super racist armed police officer only decided to shoot the girl that was actively trying to fucking stab another human being in front of him. He didn't shoot the other girl. He didn't shoot the first girl that was tackled in front of him. He didn't shoot the two asshole adults that were standing by. We're going to get to the ridiculousness of the adult, quote-unquote, male that was involved in this process in one way, shape, or form or another, because he's a whole nother ridiculous aspect of all of this. But you need to not only understand all of the details of the body cam footage and the facts of the situation, but you also need to understand, guys, that there was racism involved. Again, because a white cop, black victim, obvious racism, duh. And you need to understand the adultification and dehumanization of black girls, which is funny because I'm fairly certain that that person, this young lady, w was feeling slightly dehumanized by the idea that a knife was about to enter her neck in front of a... Imagine how dehumanized that woman would have felt to not only be stabbed by another human being, meaning that that human being is showing no regard for her humanity, 
She's not only going to be dehumanized by that, but according to Bree Newsom, the police officer should just stand by and watch this happen, further dehumanizing this girl who is never going to actually see adulthood and therefore is, is only going to ever have the ability to have been adultified rather than actually being an adult because she was going to be dead because Makia Bryant was going to stab her in the fucking neck unless this police officer did what he did. There was no opportunity to try to tackle her or wrestle the knife away from her or anything along those lines. But Bree Newsom here would rather the, and I'm not even going to say she's innocent, but she wasn't trying to stab somebody. She would rather the girl get stabbed to death than the police officer shoot the person who's not showing any regard for human life by attempting to fucking stab somebody in broad daylight in front of a police officer. I, 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 I. I'm baffled. Like, there are people out there that listen to Bree Newsom for, like, political and social issues. It is hard for me to imagine that there is a group of people out there so dumb that this woman has not only achieved some level of stardom and has a verified Twitter account and all this sort of stuff, but that there are people out there that are willing to pay her for this level of garbage to either say it on air or to say it on their behalf for a campaign these are two of the worst takes on anything ever. And I point out this Makia Bryant situation. Makayla Bryant doesn't really matter. Again, she's a she was a fucking attempted murderer and deserved what she got. Same way Ashley Babbitt deserved what she got, even though she wasn't an attempted murderer, presumably. I don't know that she wouldn't have hung Mike Pence if she got her hands on him. But nevertheless, this is just... That this is the dumbest fuckery of the highest order. And before I move on to the next set of quotes here, I do want to address this guy. So if you watch the videotape, the body cam footage, there is a d adult male standing in the driveway with an, with what appears to be an adult female. Presumably they're a couple, the owners of this household that they're standing in front of. This is all presumed. I know, in fact, one of them is a male. So as I described before, the police officer is getting out of his car and Makayla, Makia Bryant, the, the, the bitch who was trying to stab people and got shot, she tackles a girl right in front of the police officer, then gets up, turns around, and changes her, you know, gives her attention to the girl that she was about to stab. While that's going on, the male adult walks over and kicks this other girl who was tackled and nearly stabbed by Makayla Bryant. She was nearly the first victim. She may have been stabbed for all I know. She's on the ground, she's getting up, and the adult male walks over and kicks her in the head. Only for seconds later for him to stand there and watch the police officer shoot Makayla Bryant while she's stabbing somebody. And then looks at the officer and says, she's a fucking kid, man. Yes, yes, you're accurate. She is definitely a kid. She's 16, she's not an adult, she is a kid. Why does she have a knife? Why does she have a knife in front of your house? Why are you allowing this sort of behavior? Is she your kid? Why is your kid behaving this way? I heard people like Van Jones and, you know, the, the usual clowns on CNBC, uh, CNN and MSNBC doing the, what if this was your kid? Or Chris Cuomo doing the, if this, what, you know, if this was a bunch of white kids and yada, yada, yada. Let me tell you right now, if my daughter ever took a knife out and tried to fucking stab somebody in front of my house, she doesn't have to worry about the police. I will fucking kill her personally. That this is insane. The fact that the, the, we not only live in a society to where girls think it's okay to do this, right? Like, I'm not saying this is all girls, and it's certainly not all black girls. But we live in a society where the girl was 
She, she went into the house. She grabbed a knife. She stormed out of the house with intent to murder two girls in front of said house in broad daylight and was so blind in her rage didn't bother to stop when a police officer showed up. We live in a society where that girl is the victim somehow in this situation and everybody else is a racist or an angel that just so happened to be there and because, you know, they didn't have a badge, they're obviously not in any way, shape, or form complicit in the nonsense and the gr and the grotesque fucking behavior that was being perpetrated that day. You got a bunch of people fighting. There's a fucking knife. You got a grown-ass man kicking a girl in the face. You got all of this shit happening, and the problem is the police officer that saved someone's life? That's the problem to you? He's a fucking kid, says the grown-ass adult that apparently doesn't even have control over said kid to the point that she's obese, she's clearly fucking misguided, she's clearly violent, but don't worry, her mother, who isn't actually raising her because she was in foster care, possibly in the foster care of asshole who kicks women and young girls in the face, sorry, don't want to adultify anybody, but th 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 then the mother goes on the air and talks about, um, Mikayla was such a good girl, she promoted peace and she was very motherly, was she being motherly when she nearly fucking stabbed someone to death in broad daylight? That doesn't appear to be very motherly unless there was a baby that was being potentially harmed that I missed that she was protecting that was hers. None of this is motherly and most certainly not promoting peace. Back to the hot garbage takes. That brings us to Valerie Jarrett, former senior advisor for Barack Obama. She tweets, a black teenage girl named Makia Bryant, I guess it's Makia, was killed because a police officer immediately decided to shoot her multiple times in order to break up a knife fight. A knife fight. Demand accountability. Fight for justice. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Of course. Um, we got justice here. A girl was actively trying to murder somebody, and instead of murdering that person, she herself was killed because she was trying to murder somebody. Why is this hard? Did we need to have a jury come out and show up on the scene and determine this woman's guilt she was in the middle of the act we have it on videotape there is no denying that she had a knife in her hand was swinging it towards this woman's jugular and had this officer not pulled his gun out and shot this girl she would have done that she was not going to stop mid-stab oh you know what there's a cop right behind me man maybe i shouldn't do this right now no she had already made that decision and in the 12 to 15 seconds that the police officer had to come out, see the girl get tackled, see the girl get up, see that there's a gun in her hand, uh, see that there's a knife in her hand, see that she's about to go swing it up at this girl who she's got pinned up against the car, the officer made, it's a miracle this officer pulled his gun out and shot this girl in time. The amount of, the amount of time and action that was going on there, the fact that a single police officer was able to make that determination and save that life in 15 fucking seconds with four perfectly placed bullets, which I do think one of them may have missed, but it didn't hit the girl who was about to get stabbed, and that's really the important part. This is nothing short of heroism. We're talking about this guy potentially, you're next from LeBron James. We'll talk about LeBron here in a little bit because he just got roasted all over the place, and rightfully so. And then he turned that into some further victimhood. You got to love the billionaire black guy who's like, oh, yeah, I'm such a victim because I'm black. Oh, by the way, I'm literally worth a billion dollars. 
Oh yeah, you're a real victim, buddy. I'm, I'm, I mean, I would take your victimhood and your money and trade with you any fucking day of the week. You please let me know how and when we can arrange that, LeBron James. We'll talk about him again in a second here. We've got more garbage takes on this. We go to CNN. A gentleman by the name of, maybe it's not a gentleman. How dare I assume their gender? But the person's name is Peniel Joseph. Peniel Joseph writes an opinion column for... CNN that is not in the show notes because we're not giving those fuckers any clicks. Peniel over at CNN. P-E-N-I-E-L. Peniel, I'm to believe. I'm going with it. It sounds like penis. Teehee. From there, they write in this article. This is about Makia Bryant in relation to uh, to George Floyd and the Derek Chauvin verdict. And uh, they write the following, and I quote, But the moment of relief would be fleeting. As news broke that an Ohio officer had fatally shot Makia Bryant, a black teenager, about 30 minutes before the verdict was delivered in Chauvin's trial. Details of the Ohio shooting are still emerging. According to police officials and body cam footage shared with the public, the teenager was holding a knife and charged two other females. But many are openly questioning why this young teenager could not have been subdued with non-lethal force. End quote. So a couple things here. First and foremost, she was just holding the knife, like what? She was just, she was just like holding it. Like was it holstered? Was she, was she just hanging there? Was she trying to balance it on the tip of her finger? Like what, what exactly was she doing with that knife? She was just holding it, according to Peniel and his opinion over at CNN. Furthermore, they go on. To, she goes on, or he goes on, or whatever. Peniel goes on to say that many people are questioning. Who are these many people? I'd like to know. Why this teenager could not have been subdued with non-lethal force. So presumably, in this case, Peniel is referring to, I don't know, maybe a taser. So Peniel wanted this officer, instead of eliminating the immediate threat to this other girl's life, to take out a taser, which may not have worked, doesn't always work on the first try, doesn't work on all people, might not have stopped her from stabbing this girl because the electric shock may have caused her muscles to tense up and further her swipe at the girl's neck with the knife that she apparently was just holding. Peniel's opinion is about as worthless as everything else that comes out of CNN, so I guess it's on brand at a minimum, but who exactly are these people and what were they watching? Again, from the minute that the cop, from the second that the police officer opens his car door, he's got about nine seconds, I think it was. It's a, I'll give it 15. He's got 15 seconds from when he fired the weapon. Did he fire the weapon willy-nilly because he was just looking for an excuse to shoot people? Or did he shoot the only person that was an imminent fatal threat to another human being in his presence and he wasn't able to close the gap you know, fast enough to run over there and take the knife from them, nor is that what they're trained to do anyway. I can tell you right now, if somebody's about to stab me, I don't want the police officer taking one second to consider that person's humanity. I want them to put fucking six bullets in them as quickly as they could conceivably do so without putting any in me. That's what I'd like in my policing. Call me fucking crazy. And all the idiots out there with the, oh, why did he shoot the knife out of her hand? Or why didn't he shoot the leg of this... I mean, look, I, again, I don't know anything about guns, but I know more about guns than the ass clowns that talk about it on television, apparently, is that when you shoot a gun, first and foremost, you never point a gun at anything you're not willing to kill, and when you shoot a gun, you typically always shoot for the largest portion of whatever it is you are trying to shoot because you want to hit it. 
And so you hit center mass because that's where the largest area is. Your torso is the biggest area you got, and it's the hardest to move out of the way of anything. You can move an arm, you can move a leg, not to suggest that anybody's Superman and dodging any bullets, but those things are constantly in motion, whereas your torso is generally in the same general vicinity in relation to your arms and legs. So why don't we shoot for a leg or shoot for an arm or shoot the hand or shoot the, I don't know, shoot the foot or whatever it is that these crazies think that you can do in a split second with minimal training. And by the way, training getting fewer and farther between as you assholes attempt to defund the police. We're going to talk a little bit more about defunding the police in a second here as well. But police officers don't shoot arms and legs because they want to hit what they're trying to hit and they want to hit it as quickly as possible and render it useless because in the event that you are firing a gun at a human being as a police officer that person is either an imminent threat to yourself or a member of the community that you are sworn to serve and protect. And in this case, we don't know the young lady's name because she's been memory-holed. Her entire existence has been memory-holed because no one wants to talk to this woman because her life was saved by a white po white police officer. And we don't want to ever, ever actually shine any light on something like that. No, we got to focus on the fact that a 16-year-old girl is dead, not because she was an innocent little flower and the victim of some sort of racism, but because she was in the middle of actively attempting to murder somebody in front of a police officer who had no choice but to do his job and protect the life that was about to be ended had they not acted at all. A life, by the way, that was black, and I was under the impression that black lives mattered. But wait, we are not done with the garbage takes on all of this. This brings me to Professor Brittany Cooper of Rutgers University, further proving that literally everything in New Jersey other than me is awful. Makia Bryant was a child, she says, and the way that she was, she's been talked about as this, you know, because she was a big girl, so people just see her as the aggressor. They don't see her humanity, end quote. Here we are again with the humanity. She clearly didn't see the other girl's humanity or was at, at least openly and, and freely willing to end their humanity, making them a psychopath and worthy of four bullets in the torso, which is where you shoot in case the last segment wasn't perfectly fucking clear. So she was seen as the aggressor. Could it, is it because she was a large black teenager who has been adultified and seen as the aggressor because she's a big girl. Yes, we've got adultification, racism, and fat shaming all into one unbelievably garbage take. Or, Professor Cooper, was she seen as the aggressor because she was aggressively attempting to fucking stab somebody? I'm going to go with the latter based on having watched the actual footage. Maybe you should give it a try. And that brings me... To LeBron James, who, yes, posted a picture of the police officer that saved that young lady's life and ended the life of the murderous fucking psychopath who was attempting to kill, kill this girl, again, in broad daylight by stabbing her in the neck. So LeBron posts a picture of this police officer with the caption, you're next, and uh, a little ticking clock kind of hourglass emoji, if you will, so do you think LeBron meant you're next as in you're you're the you're going to be the next police officer that we're going to uh to ensure seize justice through the judicial system that even though it just found Derek Chauvin guilty of all three charges with which he was charged uh 
we still think it's racist and it's ineffective and the system is broken, you're going to be the next person we're going to try and we're going to make sure that you see justice the fair and square way. You think he meant that or you think he meant like you're next as in we're going to fucking shoot you next because I'm pretty sure most people took it the latter. And uh, LeBron James has got 50 million followers. So I hope nothing happens to this officer sincerely. But if it does, LeBron James is going to have a lot to answer to. Sincerely. It's going to be a real problem for LeBron if anything happens to this officer. If his house is vandalized, if if his family is in any way, shape, or form harmed or threatened. I'm sure it already is. But if any of it can be tied back to the suggestion from LeBron James that, quote, you're next. Like he's Goldberg out in this bitch all of a sudden. You're next. All right. Next for what? Next to be tried through the system of justice properly and and convicted potentially of whatever charges that you think I'm guilty of? Or next as in you're going to be shot and killed next? Well, again, I think everybody knows that LeBron meant the latter. LeBron obviously meant the latter because he pulled the tweet down. And if he didn't mean anything so terrible, I don't understand why he would have deleted the tweet. It's not like LeBron James is hurting for money, and it's not like any of these fucking woke companies are going to pull their sponsorship from LeBron James, even if he openly called for this police officer's death on Twitter, because, you know, he's black and he's a victim. So, you know, we can't not pay him millions of dollars to say terrible things on the Internet. I mean, he's highly educated. Oh, wait, he barely got through high school only because he's a basketball player. Oh, yeah, so definitely somebody you want to get all of your information from about all of the most important things in the world. Definitely the best possible route to go. And LeBron was such an ass and just so dumb and probably a little racist. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he's never really ever not said anything not racist. I mean, nowadays, if you're not anti-racist, you're racist, right? So I've never heard LeBron ever say that he isn't racist, so I'm to assume that he's obviously racist. That, and he, you know, targeted this white cop without even fucking thinking about it. You think this would have been the same if it was a black cop? As a matter of fact, there was a recent story of a black gentleman who was being really unjustly tased by a police officer in the backseat of a car. That police officer was black, so that story doesn't make the news. Funny how that works. Well, here was a police officer that made the news a little bit. It was going around in right-wing circles. Certainly, I don't have this police officer's name, but I am to presume he probably got fired for doing this because you're not allowed to be funny, and you're most certainly not allowed to be politically incorrect about anything ever, uh, especially if you're not on the left. So here is this officer um, playing a little gag with LeBron James. He, he's just, he just wants to know what LeBron thinks before he jumps into action at his, you know, next potential police shooting, I guess. Here we are, a little skit from uh, from officer soon to be fired, if not already fired, uh, roasting LeBron James. And this, this is just, this is fucking priceless. Here it is. Dispatch, I've arrived at that disturbance. We have LeBron call my cell phone right away, please. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? Sir, no, 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 sir, don't stab it. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. LeBron. Hey, yeah, it's me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? Why does that matter? Okay, uh, well, they're both black. One guy's trying to stab another guy with a knife. Deadly force is completely justified. Uh-huh. I see. So you don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white cop 
kills a black person, even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you are really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks, LeBron. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. What? Nothing. I gotta go. Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Good luck. Sadly, that's how a lot of people want these interactions to go down. They wanted, instead of this officer who showed up and saved the day with his firearm because, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. And in this case, a good guy with a gun killed a bad girl with a knife. And it was for the betterment of all involved, including probably the dumbass who was wielding the knife. Yeah, she's probably better off dead, and we're probably all better off with her being dead, because let's face it, she wasn't exactly going to turn out to be Mother Teresa. But that police officer, it, it's funny, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a parody, and it's funny, and it's comedy, and it's, you know, but it's not all that far off. They wanted, instead of this life-saving officer, they wanted a social worker to just show up to the scene. How do you think that would have ended? You think Makia Bryan would have taken, you know, put two thoughts about stabbing that social worker if she got him between her and the other girl? She would have fucking stabbed that police officer if he did, which is why he shot her instead of trying to run over there like an idiot, putting his own life in danger. And he wouldn't have physically been able to get there in time anyway, because, again, this all happened in a very short window of time. It was all happening very quickly. There was a lot of chaos being broken out. They got very little information from the 911 call. The guy showed up on the scene. They tried to get information about weapons. The girl didn't even really have that weapon, it appears, until basically the police officer showed up, because that's when she comes storming out of the house, tackles the one girl, and attempts to fucking murder another one. And, and LeBron and Bree Newsom, presumably, and Valerie Jarrett and all of the other fucktards that I've talked about on this program so far, certainly Professor Brittany Cooper, who, like, literally might not know her asshole from her elbow, and that's usually said figuratively, we might be in literal territory with Professor Brittany Cooper of Rutgers University. All of these people wanted a social worker to show up, or they wanted somebody to call and say, hey... Should I shoot this girl? I mean, she's like, she's already stabbed this other girl three or four times because I had to pick up my radio and ask you permission to do my job and save a human life. But, oh, I think, you know, I think she's dead now. Should I still shoot her? No, now it's too late. Oh, but she's turning her attention to the other girl, asking second request to stab this girl. Oh, you know what? She just slit her throat. It's all over now. And and that's how they want this to go down. Rather than the white police officer shoot the black perpetrator who is undeniably trying to murder somebody in front of him. Rather than that happen, we're supposed to just tell this white officer to chill. You're going to have to just sit back, wait till this plays out, and then you can call a black officer over here to uh, to address this because you're really just, you just really shouldn't be involved here at all, even if you're trying to save one of our lives. That's how terrible this whole thing has gone with the police at this point. Like, I, I say all the time, it's really funny. 18-year-old me would beat the shit out of 34-year-old current me for having said all of the wonderful things I've said about police in the last couple of years because I was a rebellious little shit. I had gotten arrested a couple times. You know, I've dealt with police in some negative contexts. And yeah, I'm white, and I'm from the suburbs, and I grew up in a relatively wealthy neighborhood. I still had problems because I made stupid decisions. And I wasn't told growing up that the police were actively trying to kill me at every turn. And so you can understand where I might have made some really stupid decisions. Had I been told that the police were actively trying to kill me, if given even the littlest bit of an opportunity or a reason, I probably wouldn't have been certainly trying to stab anybody. 
Uh, I know. I, I know. I'm preaching to the choir here, and I very much understand that. Let's go on. We got more hot garbage takes about police. Val Demings, um, representative in uh, in Congress. She's a former law enforcement officer herself. She was on the short list for Joe Biden's vice presidency, um, which, you know, and the only qualifications for being on that list were being black and female because everything is stupid. So Val Demings was given some speech about law enforcement in Congress and decided to try to take a little bit of a jab at the Republicans here. And this went around Twitter, all oh, Val Demings owned Jim Jordan, bro. Did you see this? She like totally shut him down. I mean, in tone, yeah, it sounds like she won this exchange here. But if you listen to what she says, it literally makes no sense whatsoever. Here's Val Demings triggering me with a simply magnificent line of bullshit that I'm going to pick apart in just a second. Val, take it away. You know, it's interesting to see my colleagues on the other side of the aisle support the police when it is politically convenient to do so. Law enforcement officers risk their lives every day. They deserve better, and the American people deserve... I have the floor, Mr. Jordan. What, did I strike a nerve? Law enforcement officers deserve better than to be utilized as pawns. And you and your colleagues are ashamed of yourself. The gentlelady will suspend and the clock will be stopped. Wow. So where do we begin? Um, first and foremost, like she just she just waited for Jim Jordan to say and she took a shot at Jim Jordan and then waited for him to say something, which she knew he would do because, yeah, let's face it, he's Jim Jordan. He does this shit all the time. And then she plays the high and mighty. I have the floor. Oh, did I strike a nerve? Yeah, you probably did strike a nerve. Not in the sense of, like, you struck a nerve like you actually hit on something there. It's that you just completely fabricated Complete and utter nonsense. And while the blue checks on Twitter are yelling slay queen, I'm sitting there going, did she just say what I think she said? Let's recap for a second. She said that the Republicans use the police only when it's politically advantageous to them, right? That That's what she said. Maybe not in quite as many words or at least those words, but she said that. This is... For Val Demings, who is a law enforcement, you know, God bless her. She was part of law enforcement. Hats off to her. We need more people like her. But, at least in that respect, she she accused the Republicans of using the police as pawns for political gain? This from a woman. Her party spent the entire last year talking about how police are racist. They're a part of institutional racism that stems back to the days of slavery. That police are unworthy of taxpayer dollars because they're not doing a good enough job that these police should be defunded, meaning many of them would lose their jobs, jobs that they took voluntarily. I mean, obviously not voluntarily from the aspect of they're doing it for free, but no one made them be police officers. That's the path they chose. Might some of them have chosen it for the wrong reasons? Yeah, I mean, I talk about this all the time. There's the certain select group of people that look at police work and go, oh, I get a cushy job in a suburb, never actually be in any danger, and retire at 45. There is a group of police officers out there that fit into that category. I don't think they, you know, belong on the force, but I don't get to make those decisions. I have to hope that people in charge weed those people out. But this woman sat around and didn't say a goddamn word 
while her entire party was saying, fuck the police, they're racist, we should defund them, they're out here actively hunting black people. She didn't say a fucking peep about it. But as soon as Officer Sicknick died in the January 6th riots, oh my God, our law enforcement were here protecting our lives because it was their lives. It wasn't our lives, like you and me. It was their lives. So now their lives are actually in danger. Now they appreciate police officers. Mind you, that officer may not have even died as a direct result of the events of that day. Do I think it contributed? Sure. But they told us that he was bludgeoned to death by a fire hydrant by some MAGA nut, and it turned out that he had a seizure that could have been as a result of the stress. Yeah, but it wasn't a direct murder on behalf of any of the erectionists, as, as Chuck Schumer would call them. They buried that guy. They let his body sit in the Capitol building for a day, uh, an honor that we really only give, you know, to, to, to long-term senators and presidents that have passed away in, in recent memory. They milked that guy's death for every fucking drop. And then as soon as the body was cold and in the ground, they went right back to shitting on the police, saying that they are needed to be defunded, saying that they needed to be looked at and investigated because they're all racist based on cases that have nothing to do in any way, shape, or form with race. Even fucking Keith Ellison, the attorney general of Minnesota, was asked recently, why didn't you charge Derek Chauvin with a hate crime? And he said, we didn't have the evidence to charge that. If there was even a skosh of evidence in the way of any sort of racial animus on behalf of Derek Chauvin, they absolutely would have at least charged it and seen if they could gotten away with it. That's basically what they did with Murder 3, and they did. So the idea that there was any evidence of racism in, in that case whatsoever is just... It's not true. It is like it is like Earth is flat level sort of shit. Like that's just not. It's not a thing. It's not real. And we need to stop even considering anybody who who goes down that path to be credible in anything. If you're that wrong about something, there's a good chance you're really wrong about most things. Good God, I forgot where this rant started. So let me move on to the next piece of audio we have here. This is from MSNBC's Jason Johnson. And uh, he is not happy about the Derek Chauvin verdict. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody should be happy with this whole situation, but Jason Johnson is just actively trying to stoke more racial tension in America to ruin our capitalist system because he's on MSNBC, which for those of you who don't know, stands for Mainstream News Broadcast of Communism, which is basically what they are. And hats off to them for not hiding it, at least like CNN pretends that they're straight news. MSNBC basically just outright fucking tells you that they're a bunch of commies. Rachel Maddow is the face of their network. What more do you need to know? Well, Jason Johnson needs you to know that he's still very, very upset about the non-existent racial problem related to policing that the Derek Chauvin case had absolutely nothing to do with, but he's very upset that justice, quote-unquote, was served, even though I, I thought that was the whole point here. But here's Jason Johnson. Take it away. I'll say this, Nicole. Like I said, I, I actually always thought that he would be found guilty because it's sort of a cultural makeup call. But I'm not happy. I'm not pleased. I don't have any sense of satisfaction. I don't think this is a system working. I don't think this is a good thing. What this says to me is that in order to get a nominal degree of justice in this country, that a black man has to be murdered on air, viewed by the entire world, there have to be a year's worth of protests 
and a phalanx of other white police officers to tell one white officer that he was wrong in order to get one scintilla of justice. That doesn't make me feel happy. That doesn't make me feel satisfied. It makes me worry about what's going to happen when these other officers are held on trial. It makes me upset all the more that we didn't have this for Breonna Taylor. It makes me concerned about what's going to happen in the trial for Ahmaud Arbery. So, no, I, I mean, this is not the system working. This is a makeup call. This is the justice system trying to say that, hey, this is one bad apple, because that's how this is going to be interpreted. Hey, guys, it was just a makeup call. Maybe, and hear me out here, what if we try to come up with a system to where we stop crime before it even happens. We can call it Minority Report. We'll put Tom Cruise in charge of all of this because, you know, he's into the Scientology, so, like, he'll be able to figure this sort of stuff out, I assume. But, yeah, you know, it's just a makeup call. Like, literally every verdict of every criminal case that has ever existed that was certainly guilty and, and accurate and ultimately correct, I guess, the, the, all of those are makeup calls because here's the thing, like a rape victim isn't unraped because their rapist was found guilty. A murder victim isn't now alive because we found the murderer. The entire justice system is one giant fucking makeup call. And the fact that it's being made at all is in effect some semblance of justice. Can anything fully be re restored the way that it was in the event of a rape, a murder, a, a crime, a violent robbery? No, no. Some people just, you know, you can never really be made whole, but there is at least some semblance of justice. We have an entire system, an entire book of laws that come along with punishments that, that are supposed to deter people from committing those crimes. For the most part, they work because most people aren't committing violent, serious crimes by by most by by the worst numbers, ninety nine point five percent of us are not doing these things. So it appears that whatever system we have is working in some respect. We've got a system of policing; they're out there to protect and serve. So much so that one of them can just pull up on a scene and save a life within fifteen seconds by using their firearm, which I'm told is an evil thing that only ever kills innocent people. I I don't. Jason Johnson can just go fuck himself. Can we get? Can we do that? You know what? No, I don't give a fuck if you're happy. I don't care that you are upset that it took all of this effort to fucking blackmail a jury to do what you wanted it to do and that you'll now have to do this again if you want similar results in the future. He doesn't, he doesn't think that the system is working at all. That's the problem is that he, he, even though the system worked in the case of Derek Chauvin, he was charged. This guy thought he was guilty. He was found guilty. The system, by his... Unless he has a different fucking definition of a system working, it worked by his own admission. Yet he will tell you it didn't work because I got to continue to stoke racial tension on MSNBC, which stands for Mainstream News Broadcast of Communism. Obviously. He doesn't think that the system is working when a man that he believes murdered George Floyd is charged with murdering George Floyd and convicted of murdering George Floyd. He thinks that's not working. Now, I don't think Derek Chauvin was necessarily guilty of at least two of the three charges there. So in my case, I don't think that the system worked either. But we think that the system didn't work for very different reasons. He doesn't think the system worked because the system worked. Right. If you the system is if people are guilty of crimes, we charge them with them, we convict them of them. That's what happened to Derek Chauvin. But according to Jason Johnson, that's not the system working. 
I don't think the system worked in this case because, again, I don't think that he was guilty of at least two to three charges. Go on my Substack and read my article entitled The Verdict, where I go into a lengthy layman's legal analysis of this whole thing. I don't think that the two murder charges were, were applicable at all in this particular case. Manslaughter was a coin flip, and if he got convicted of manslaughter, I would consider that the system working. But when the system is now that a jury goes into a deliberation room and they're scared to death of giving a particular verdict because they're worried that their town is going to burn, that their families are going to be hunted down, that their identities are going to be exposed, that their lives are going to be in danger. That's not the system working. That is the actual breaking in live time of the system. And Jason Johnson should be fucking happy because he hates the system. The system doesn't work. The system's racist and it's being destroyed before his very eyes and he's still not happy. Why? Because he needs to continue to push the racial tension bullshit so that more of you get more angry and do more ridiculous things to further break the system. Fuck you, Jason Johnson. And that's all I got on hot garbage takes about police-related things. I got a couple other things here that I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm not going to talk about most of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap things up here with the world's greatest cat. Now, many of you who know me personally know I hate cats. I am allergic to cats. I think they're evil creatures aside from my allergy to them. I think that a lot of people are worried about AI and those fucking fools are missing out on the takeover that is literally happening right before their very eyes, the feline takeover. They're already in your homes. They're already eating your food, and they have sharp things on their paws that they can slit your throat with while you sleep. Just give it time. Lord willing, the cats will start taking out some of these cat people. But here is a cat person who may very well not be a cat person for very long. Here is Aaron. She's on social media, and she wanted to give you her gender pronouns, but Mr. Whiskers, or dare I say Miss Whiskers, Whisk X, we shall call them, wasn't having it. You can't see it. I'm going to describe it for you a little bit while it's going, I think. We'll see how this goes. But this this cat was worthy of airtime. Here she is. Hi, my name is Erin. I use she, her pronouns, and I am Miss... Yes, that was the sound of that cat hitting her in the face. And that was the sound of her shock. And I say her because I don't give a fuck, nor do I know what her gender pronouns are because the cat was was such... The cat is a transphobe, folks. Here we have transphobic cat. I, I don't know. It's like it's like Thundercats, except bigoted. I, I don't know. But that is, that is legitimately the greatest cat that has ever existed. Um, I mean, there's some good ones out there, like Tony the Tiger's up there, um, that cat that bit Roy of Siegfried, or was it Siegfried? Doesn't matter. That cat's awesome. Um, Ernest the Cat Miller is up there. There's a lot of good cats that are really not cats, I guess, um, but this is the greatest cat that has ever lived. Like, it's it's the cat that inspired the Sphinx, and this cat are, like, right there, 1 and 1A. Bravo to uh, Becky's cat. Mr. Mrs. Whiskers, Whisk X, as I, as I have already forgotten. But 
That said, I had to give that cat a little bit of airtime. I also had to close on some sort of high note, but that is all she wrote for this week right here on The Right Opinion. Be sure to follow us at therightopinion.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com, and ratsaladreview.com, or your podcatcher of choice. Just search The Right Opinion. It'll be the one that's black and white and red all over like the New York Times used to be. Check me out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Parler, at Right Opinion Pod and most importantly, Right Opinion Pod. Substack.com. That's where you can find all the good stuff, the articles, the podcast, anything else that I can and will eventually do will be available there. That is now essentially the main hub for the right opinion. So check it out. Subscribe. It's free. You'll get an email when stuff comes out. I don't spam you. You literally will only get them when I put stuff out and maybe get a double up because I've edited something after the fact, but I don't think you get those necessarily. I think you just get one link you can click. If you don't click for like 24 hours, um, you'll probably get the best version because uh, there is a chance that I almost always see something. I have to go back and edit it after the fact once I've published it, no matter how many times I read it beforehand, which is why I've given up on trying to read it so many times before I publish it. That's it. Rightopinionpod.substack.com. Right at rightopinionpod on Twitter, Parlor, Instagram, all that good stuff. And that brings me to the point in the show where I have to remind you that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. But this asshole has the right opinion, and you can only get it right here on The Right Opinion. And I'm Harrison Bergeron. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.